welcome to Exploring the Blank Page, a podcast for readers and writers of young adult fiction. I'm host Emily Hendricks, writer of YA sci-fi and fantasy, and my co-host is Kristen Crum, author of the YA rom-com It Happened at Christmas. The Blank Page is where we all start, published or not, and we're excited to share stories that inspire your writing or influence your next book choice. Now let's get to the episode. Hello, and welcome back to Exploring the Blank Page podcast. This week, we have a special guest who also happens to be a friend of mine. I love the conversation Kristen and I got to have with her because not only is she a young adult and middle grade writer, she's also a freelance editor, and she brings some great insight into the process of hiring an editor and what it looks like to work with one. Let me tell you a little bit more about her. Before launching her freelance editing business in 2017, our guest got her start in professional editing while simultaneously working toward her bachelor's in English and creative writing. Since then, she has served as a volunteer judge for multiple writing contests, worked as a copy editor and a managing editor in the magazine industry, and worked with internationally respected nonprofits on training materials and resources. As a freelancer, our guest has worked as a ghostwriter, writing coach, and developmental editor. Her writing has been published in magazines, anthologies, and other publications, including the Christian Writers Market. Our guest is passionate about working alongside writers, which is something you'll hear in today's episode. She loves helping writers develop the skills and confidence they need to successfully publish their work. Her clients include award-winning traditionally published authors, as well as previously unpublished writers who have gone on to successfully self-publish or traditionally publish their work. When she's not working with writers, you can find her having fun being an auntie to a brood of little nieces and nephews, dancing around the living room to movie scores and classical soundtracks, or escaping into the beauty of her beloved Pacific Northwest wilderness. Grab your favorite drink and join us for today's episode with guest Jennifer Lindsay. Hello and welcome back to Exploring the Blank Page podcast. This week we have Jennifer Lindsay with us. Jennifer, can you maybe tell a little bit about yourself to our audience who may not have heard of you? Yeah, um, I, I usually go by Jen. Just don't call me Jenny. Um, <laughs> I decided that when I was three years old, um, my grandmother loved telling the story about um, going for a walk with her um, and one of her friends, uh, Francis, when I was about three years old. And as we were walking, apparently Francis called me Jenny and mm-hmm. I turned around, crossed my arms, stomped my foot in the dust, made this big, huge dust cloud and said, you will call me Jennifer. My name is not Jenny. <laughs> so of course, my grandmother and her friend are trying not to die laughing because you're not supposed to talk to adults like that. Right. Um, so they're trying to correct me. But to her dying day, she loved telling that story to everybody whenever she introduced me to them. So, so um, but most <laughs> Most of the time I go by Jen or Jen Lindsay these days. Um, Still don't like Jenny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm the oldest of five kids and we all grew up very close together um, out in the country. So we were, you know, kind of best buds um, playing fantasy games. My my baby sister was always the, the princess that we were trying to get away from the evil wizard or the <laughs> evil knights and my other sister, Stephanie and I, we were warrior princesses. And then of mm-hmm. course my brothers were, you know, warrior knights. And so it was always just kind of fun playing through the woods that we had on the front of our property. We had a creek behind our property. So, you know, you could spend all day long oh, yeah. in the summer coming up Those with whatever stories days. you wanted to come up to. <laughs> yeah. And so I think part of that played into my love for writing is because I got to tell stories and make up stories all the time growing up. Oh, that's great. 
Okay, so on the flip side of that question, what is one thing that people who follow you on social media would be surprised to find out? Oh, what would they be surprised to find out? Um, well, you don't see a whole lot of it on what I post, but I am a Whovian. I love Doctor Who. I'm wearing a Doctor Who uh, Transformer shirt right now. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> You're with your um, people my, here. Yes. yes. Um, we are favorite, best friends now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My favorite hoodie um, is uh, as a TARDIS hoodie. My uh, brother and sister, uh, or my brother-in-law and my, my sister got me it back probably in 2012. And so it's pretty much been worn out. So I went scouring the internet trying to find like an exact copy of that hoodie. So I now have two, the, the worn <laughs> one, which is the one that, you know, is kind of my security blanket now. And yeah. then the nice one, when I'm going out and about, and um, I'm always getting compliments on my, on my hoodie. And I worked in a comic book shop for a oh, while. That's cool. Yeah. Very I had cool. a lot of fun with that. Had a, had a lot of, um, Middle school and high school kids proposed to me, but I was in my <laughs> mid-20s, so I always had to turn them down. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Yes. <laughs> that, that was actually a fun summer job. I really enjoyed that. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, working in a library almost. You, you're surrounded by books. How could it How could it be bad? <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I found out a lot more about, I, I loved comics growing up. Um, my mom was the one who introduced me to comics. Mm-hmm. Um, Wonder Woman was my favorite, followed by Superman. Um, but I didn't really, you know, collect them. Uh, you know, in high school, I was more focused on on my. I wanted to be a doctor, so everything was mm-hmm. science and and medicine and biology and that sort of stuff. So I kind of moved away from it when I was in high school. So then, when I walked into a comic book shop one day looking for a present for my mom and saw a woman behind the counter, I was like, oh, "Yay, there's someone <laughs> like me!" <laughs> and so she had started a comic book club. It was really cool getting to meet other people who oh, had yeah. similar interests to me, both guys and gals. Um, and then I became good friends with her and her husband because they owned the store. And then as they were, you know, they'd go to comic cons to host booths and stuff like that. And so they started asking, Hey, could you just run the shop for us over the weekend while we're gone? And so that was really cool getting to do that. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. And so I got (laughs) to learn a lot more about the comic book industry, about different artists and, um, illustrators. It was just, it was just really fun. And I really enjoyed that. Awesome. I love it. Well, I have known you for a few years now. I think we yeah. first met at OCW, the Oregon Christian Writers. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got some mutual friends too. So that was really fun <laughs> to put kind yes. of a face to the name that I had heard. <laughs> yeah, I think we knew each other on social media, mm-hmm. but I think that was the first time we'd actually met in person. Like met formally, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would love for you to tell us a little bit about, because um, you're not only a writer, but you're also an editor. So I'd love for you to tell us some about how you got started as a freelance editor. Okay. Well, like I said, that I was originally interested in being a doctor. I wanted to be a missionary doctor in Africa. Um, And then my um, junior year in college, I started having some health problems and we weren't sure what was going on. And the doctor at the time said, you need to take some time off from school. And I was like, nope, I'm stubborn. I'm going through with this. I told people I'm going to finish this. But in the back of my mind, I kind of had this feeling like God was asking me to let go of that dream because he had something better in mind for me. And I've always loved reading. I've always loved writing. I started editing my own 
journals. Um, I started writing my first journal when I was in second grade. I started editing my journal when I was in third grade. Uh, <laughs> friends were always asking me to read through their papers and help them with papers all throughout school. But then my junior year in college, I got really sick. The doctor told me to take some time off. I refused. So mm-hmm. I bombed my OCHEM and microbiology oh, no. courses, which put me on academic probation. And I was just kind of devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do. I felt like I was a huge failure. So then I decided to take some time off. But during that time, um, my dad, who has worked in in publishing and magazine publishing for over 30 years, said, you need to do something while you're trying to figure out your life. I could use a little bit of help. We have a new editor. He's looking for an editorial assistant. So why don't you just, while you're taking some time off, do some work with us? So it started Mm -hmm. out with just doing proofreading of press releases and reviews because it was a model railroad publication. And so they evaluated new products that were coming out, kind of like a consumer report for Mm -hmm. for model railroaders. And while I was doing that, I was like, trains aren't really my thing, but I really enjoy working with these writers. I'm really enjoying taking these projects and putting them together and making Mm -hmm. sure that they flow properly. So when I decided to go back into school, I decided, you know what, I'll take a couple of English classes, see how I do. I always do well with that. So it'll at least bring my grade up and then I can go back into the medical field. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. But then when I signed up for those those English and writing classes, it was a perfect fit for me. As much as I loved the the science classes, it was just kind of like that perfect fit, the glass mm-hmm. slipper with Cinderella type of yeah. thing. Like, wow, these are my people. I get to sit and read books and then talk about books. And then I get to write papers that I'm actually enjoying much more than it was a lot more fun for me than the, you know, the lecture based and then mm-hmm. having to take tests and, and throw that information out. So that's when I ended up changing my major to English creative writing. And as I was doing that, I decided to take some technical writing and some editing courses as well. And I just absolutely loved it. So I was working in the field while also going to school. So that was that perfect blending. Then when the economy crashed back in 2008, I lost my job in 2011. We kind of limped around for a couple of years. So I wasn't able to find anything in the publishing industry. Um, Most of my experience was with magazines. And so book publishers wanted people who had book experience. So I was, I was getting really far through the um, interview process, but they were always hiring somebody who had a little bit more experience than me. And that was super discouraging and super depressing. But at the same time, James Scott Bell had been a mentor of mine through the Christian Writers Guild. And he kept reaching out to me saying, Hey, I have a new book. I would like you to critique for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd like to get your feedback on it. And so just little projects like that coming my way kind of kept my feelers with the, the editing and the critiquing and that sort of thing while I was working a number of other jobs. Um, I ended up working nonprofit for a couple of years and it was in the sex trafficking, you know, uh, combating juvenile sex trafficking. And I I loved the work I was doing, but it was really grueling time-wise, emotionally. And 2017, I started feeling like God was moving again, asking me, can you take that big step to do something that's beyond what you've ever thought you can do and start your own business with doing Mm -hmm. some freelancing. So I had, I spent some time praying about it and I walked away from nonprofit in the middle of 2017. And I was like, I have no clients. I don't know (laughs) what I'm doing, but I talked with uh, Chris Morris, who's a CPA um, at Mount Hermon that year. And he's like, you're pretty smart. It sounds like you've got a good plan in place. I say, go for it. And (laughs) Lindsay Franklin was like, Jen, you can totally do this. Let's go for that. So I just had a lot of people encouraging me through the process. 
And long story short, I've been doing this for four years and there has never been a month that God has not provided some sort Mm -hmm. of a project for me. And it's just been kind of amazing seeing how he's continued to grow my business and my ability to interact with readers. And I love getting to help writers create their stories. Yeah. And then just because I'm assuming that there might be some um, listeners here that don't know or haven't had experience with maybe like hiring an editor or working with Mm -hmm. one. Can you give us just like a quick little overview of the types of editing that um, uh, someone who's looking to hire an editor might find? Sure, absolutely. So there are, most people think, oh, I'm going to have an editor and that person is just going to come through and they're going to clean up my periods and my commas and look for typos. That's actually proofreading and that's the final process. But uh, so you have um, what's called developmental editing or substantive editing, which is kind of taking, if you were in a plane and you were looking out your window and you see kind of this big, broad expanse beneath you, that's kind of what developmental editing does. It looks at the whole story, looking at the plot working, it looks at character development um, and character arcs. Does the character act the way the character should be acting based on what you've established in the past? Are they growing? It looks at point of view issues because sometimes we do that head hopping without realizing we're doing the head hopping. It just helps with all of those mm-hmm. establishing or working through all those issues that we always come across when we're working through those, those drafts mm-hmm. in the early stages. So it's really good to have and somebody come alongside you as a developmental editor once you've finished your draft um, and you've had a time to maybe look over it once or twice to see, is this story actually working without tearing your hair out? I've looked over my (laughs) manuscript 20 times. Um, In fact, (laughs) Lindsay Franklin has helped me with uh, the developmental edit of a couple of my stories. And it's Mm -hmm. been super helpful having that second pair of eyes and somebody who knows the actual story structure Mm -hmm. um, and what stories should be doing. So that's developmental editing. There's also a couple levels of copy editing. There's the heavy copy editing and light copy editing. Heavy copy editing is usually after a developmental edit or if you've done some self-editing yourself. So that's looking, again, at structure, but it's also looking at the grammar and the syntax at that point in time. And then a copy editor, if if you're doing nonfiction, will also help with verifying sources or if you have links because you're doing an ebook or something like that, mm-hmm. we'll verify that those links are still active. If there's copyright um, materials, they'll check on the copyrights to make sure that all of that is correct. We'll help out with bibliographies and, and that sort of stuff. So that's more of the heavy copy editing. A light copy editing is more of just the syntax and the grammar and, and pointing out, hey, this isn't necessarily working with the story. You might want to look back and, and evaluate you know, how these characters are responding to each mm-hmm. other because that's kind of throwing me off as a, as a, as a reader. Mm-hmm. So kind of working more with the, the nitty gritty details. And then of course, proofreading is the final step after it's gone through a couple of developmental and copy editing, then you go through the proofing and proofing, you're not changing anything at that point in time. It's just, I'm looking at, is everything spelled correctly or as close to spelled correctly as possible? Because yeah. We're always going to have something that gets yeah. through. It's amazing how many times <laughs> you're like, I know I fixed that. And, yeah. you know, it's been published yeah. and there it is. Dang it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and we see the typos in the traditionally published books as well mm-hmm. as in the indie published books. So, you know, it's, they're just always going to get through. Um, but the, the proofreader is trying to, to make sure that as many of them are caught as possible. Mm-hmm. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you had mentioned that you were working on some of your pages and you had uh, Lindsay Franklin helping you with some developmental edits. Mm -hmm. So you're a writer as well as an editor. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? 
Yeah, I am revisiting a manuscript that Lindsay actually had worked on with me a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a finalist in the Oregon Christian Writers Cascade Awards in 2017. So that was kind of an indicator that, hey, I'm moving in the right direction at the time. So initially I wrote it as a middle grade fantasy, but then after I talked to Steve Lobby about it, some struggles that I was having with the story idea, and he said, well, I think you're trying to make something that's middle grade that should be young adult. So I'm revisiting that manuscript, rewriting it, aging it up middle grade to young adult, which actually he was, he was right. It works out. <laughs> Shocker. Steve's always right. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's able to get into some of these little things in the story that were off, you know, kind of in the periphery that I kind of, I wanted to explore them, but I was like, mm -hmm. no, that doesn't work for middle grade because sure, middle grade yeah. and young adult are so different. Mm -hmm. So I'm rewriting it from a young adult perspective, which is also allowing me to make a secondary character, um, give her a point of view, which I hadn't had her as a point of view character before. So I'm really excited to bring her in. So it's not just my male protagonist anymore. And the story's just so much more fun. <laughs> oh, that's great. So in speaking about writing, because we are the blank page, um, we'd love to hear a little bit about how you start. Uh, well, and I know it's hard because you're in the middle of edits now, but kind of maybe how you approach the blank page as a writer. I write by hand when I start out. Uh, it usually starts with a what if. For instance, one of the stories that I have, it's just a draft sitting in the back burner, but it was a, it was a nano project. One day I was driving while I was visiting my parents down in Southern Oregon and looking at the mountains. And for some reason I was like, you know, there's so many mountains here and we're right on the edge of the, the wild scenic Rogue River in the County Opsis, which is a huge expanse of unexplored territory. It's so rocky ravines and stuff. And I'm like, you know, dragon could hide in there really easily and nobody would ever know. And what if, what if there are dragons hiding there and they want to know it's, it's safe enough to return to interact with humans again? Because in my mind, dragons are friends, not foes. Um, <laughs> always have been. <laughs> and so you kind of see those elements in all the stories that I write. I just kind of had that what if idea. And so then I kind of just start writing out ideas by hand and getting to know the characters a little bit, ideas about the worlds. And I just allow myself to have fun with it first. Mm -hmm. I don't try to figure out what is the whole story. I just, what is this world? Who are these characters? And then as I'm getting to know them, then the stories typically tend to emerge. If they don't, then I go, okay, I'll just put that in my mm -hmm. idea folder to maybe come back to later, or maybe I don't come back to it at all. The part, the, the YA that I'm working on right now is actually something that I started for the first time in 2002. So, you know, yeah. I'm coming on <laughs> 20 years since yeah. that was the first initial concept for a story idea. I'm finally in a place where as a writer, I can really deep explore it. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's something to, to consider too. And especially for any writers out there who are maybe new to writing or trying to explore a story is that sometimes it's just not the right time in mm -hmm. your, you know, maybe your ability isn't quite there yet, or it's just not, it has to be paired with another idea, whatever it looks like. I have definitely actually today, Kristen and I were talking and I was like, I've had this idea in the back of my head for years. This might fit. And obviously it's going to be kind of compartmentalized into different little areas, but right. it's just kind of fun to see what ideas do once they like are left to simmer. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Bell calls it uh, the boys in the basement where mm -hmm. we have an idea in the back of the, of the head and uh, he just gives them a problem to work with. So I took that for myself to, to and I renamed it to girls in the garret. So. Uh, 
I like it. <laughs> Love it. So this is in where we are asking our guests to share about how they stay productive. We know you work from home like we do, but can you share some of the ways that you stay productive? Yeah. Um, one of the, the biggest things that I've learned as a, as a help based on all of the things that I've done in the past is to break big projects into smaller pieces because it's really easy to feel overwhelmed when you you're looking at the big project and go how am I supposed to make all of this work so usually what I'll do is I'll say okay what do I need to do first and what can I put off till later I need a paper calendar so I have a a journal type calendar Mm -hmm. um, that has from 7 a.m to 7 p.m each of the days of the week broken out. And then I use a a different color highlighter for the different types of jobs that I do because I do part-time working for a magazine publisher still and then part-time for my own freelancing. For the time that I'm working with the magazine publisher, that's marked out with one color. And then anything that I need to do that day, I put in that time frame. And then for my independent freelancing stuff is marked in a different color. And then I have a color for my own personal writing. And so then I just put one or two things that these are the most important things that I need to do. And I try to keep it to no more than five most important things for the day. And I try to keep at least one of those as this is something that I'm afraid to do, or I'm scared to do. (laughs) Because those things tend to take a lot of emotional energy. And so if I'm feeling insecure about something, and then I just keep pushing it off, then it's weighing on the back of my mind. So if I can get at least one of those off my plate a day, then it makes things a little bit easier. For me, a lot of times that's like the admin part of my job with bookkeeping or stuff like that. I hate doing that type of stuff. So I specifically pencil in some of that. Another thing that I do is don't let fear be the reason I choose not to do something Mm. like I was saying before, because it takes up a lot of energy. And then most of the time it ends up being like, that wasn't so hard to do after all. What was was I even freaking out about? And if I don't know, I can always ask somebody because there are so many knowledgeable people around me. So if I don't know how to do something with editing, I have an editor's network. And so I might ask them some questions. Hey, where can I find this? Is this CMOS? Is this AP style? You know, Mm -hmm. that type of a thing. I also kind of break things up. I use the, gosh, I never say it right. The Pomodoro method where you work for 25 minutes and then you take five minutes to get up and move around. And so I'll do that for about an hour and a half. And then I'll give myself a, a, a 20 or 30 minute break where I'm not looking at a computer screen or a phone screen at all. I'll go and stand down on my patio and stare at the horizon or I'll do some laundry or something that's completely menial because mm-hmm. with editing and writing, it's, it's, it is very much mentally taxing tasks. So if I can break that up a little bit throughout the day, then that really helps me to be more productive. I've always wanted to work like that where it's like 25 minutes on and the five minutes break and I always forget to take the break. <laughs> there, there are times when I'll just be on a roll and I'll forget to take the break. And if that's the case, then, you know, no big deal. But on days where you're kind of struggling to get going, having mm-hmm. that 25, five, yeah. 25, five, super, super helpful. And then, um, especially if I'm working on a a developmental edit with a story that is really, really rough. And I want to make sure I'm giving Mm -hmm. the best possible feedback to the client, um, taking those, those breaks so that I can kind of mull that over again, let the girls in the garret do their job while I'm doing Mm -hmm. something different. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I know how to come back to that and help Mm -hmm. and and suggest that change now. Oh, I love that. And I feel like that kind of transitions into uh, the other thing we're focusing on this season, which is writer care. And I mean, that is a great way to care for yourself just on a daily basis. But Kristen and I 
don't do really well at this. Uh, so maybe it was selfish of us to put this as our, one of our um, things for like our focuses for this focus, foci, fo- what is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, for this season, but I have heard that you have spoken about writer care before, or we were yeah. talking about it, I think at one point. So yeah, any tips that you have for us, we'd love to have them. <laughs> yes. Well, I have, I have the benefit of living by myself. I'm not married and I don't have any kids. So I don't have the, I can't necessarily speak specifically to, you know, married with kids, but weekends are my weekend for me. I don't do any writing on the weekend. Like if I have some ideas, I might jot them down, but I don't make myself work on the weekends. And part of that stems from the time that I was working for the nonprofit. Cause when you're working with a nonprofit, it's like, you're always on because it's usually a smaller organization and you're, you're wearing a lot of different hats. And so I was working between 60 and 80 hours a week for the time that I was at the, at that organization. And it was a great organization. I loved my time, but it showed me that I need to put better boundaries in place because it wasn't necessarily always my coworkers or my boss out fault. It was me saying, Oh, I just need to get all these things done. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be something that needs to be done. So putting boundaries in place and saying, okay, from this time to this time, I'm not going to work on anything. This is for me to either engage with family or friends or, you know, when things start opening up a little bit more, go grab a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's been most video chats or phone calls, which has been a stretch for me because I'm very much an introvert. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> like phone conversations yeah. so much, but it's been, it's been a good stretching and growing experience. Mm-hmm. And then if thing, if a week is going to be particularly busy for me, I like to do batch meals. So oh, yeah. that's something that I'll do on the weekend because it's kind of self-care. So I'll make some really yummy meals and then I'll put them into individual serving sizes, stick them in the freezer. And because it's just me, you make one dish and you're like, I got this mm-hmm. dinner. And then, yeah. you know, I'm pretty much good for the month because yeah. I'm <laughs> out, like four different meals or whatever. I've been there. Um, yep. <laughs> but it, it comes in handy when I'm on deadline for a major project and I just don't have the energy during the week to make myself food. And we need to be feeding our bodies because if we're not feeding our bodies with healthy food, then we're not going to be able to concentrate. And it's just kind of a cascade effect. So I try to keep those things in the freezer. And then when I see that I'm starting to run out, then I'll go out and I'll do another kind of a meal prepping weekend again. And so that has been really helpful for me. Those are some awesome Mm -hmm. tips. Taking notes. Well, my next question is, uh, what's next for you? Well, you kind of know a little bit because <laughs> you've been working with me on a cover. I am working on my first nonfiction uh, self-published book um, and I've titled it as The Writer as the Protagonist. And that stemmed from a question that I asked myself last fall. I did a virtual writer's retreat with uh, Mary Weber and CJ Redwine through the, the Writer's Sanctuary. And they were mm-hmm. talking about character development. And as we were going through the character arcs and stuff, I kind of was thinking, you know, we put all this time and effort into creating our characters and saying, this is what their fear is. This is what their passion is. This is the, the, the obstacles that they have to overcome. And this is what victory or defeat looks like for them. And I thought, I wonder what my career as a writer would look like if I took the time to ask myself some of those same questions. So I started asking myself some, some of these questions and journaling them, some of them out, started sharing some of that stuff a little bit on Instagram. And that has kind of turned into its own project. So I created a little workbook in the final proofing of that. And Emily's cover looks amazing. I can't <laughs> wait to share it in my, I'm going to share it in my June newsletter. So I'm you so excited. Sign up I love for it. My newsletter if you want to see it. Um, if that's not and, bad for me to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love it. It's, it's just a fun and, design. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even give you that much 
to go with. I'm just like, well, you know, they're kind of on a journey. I don't know. Fantasy (laughs) because I work with young adult middle grade. I don't know. But it just, it turned out so perfectly. And when I showed it to my family, they just said, Jen, that looks like you. That's, that's, it fits, it fits your personality. It fits the story perfectly. So I'm really excited about that. It's the first time I've done something like this. So yes, there is that terror in the back of my mind. Am I going to do everything right? Who am I to even share this type of stuff? But it's been a good stretch for me. And one of the aspects that I touched on a little bit in that uh, was what kind of hero are you? So there were the four hero types, the reclusive, the reckless, the reluctant, and the romantic. And so I did kind of some short little posts. And then Nova asked me, Nova McBee asked me if I would do a longer blog series. So that just went live this month over on the spinning pen. So you can see all of those there. Okay, it's time to move into the lightning round. Jennifer, what are you reading right now? I am reading Simulated from Nova McBee, the second in the uh, Calculated series. I'm, I think I'm about 12 or 13 chapters in and oh, yes, good. it's just as good, if not better than uh, the Calculated. I, and I love it when the second book, you know, kind of ramps things up even more. Yes, so. yes. Yeah, I just got notification this morning that my pre-order is on the way. I cannot wait. It actually I, just landed I on my doorstep. I was super excited. <gasps> so I got it. I got it a little bit early, but I was in the middle of editing a project. So I couldn't mm-hmm. start it until this week. So I'm really glad that I was able to start it or, you know, I, yeah. I had it when it was released. I'm also reading the the third Nevermore book. So I'm somebody who will read multiple books at the same time. So Simulate is my YA read and the, the third uh, Nevermore book is my middle grade read right now. What is a YA book that you always recommend? Oh my goodness. There's just so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the ones I've been recommending a lot is Lindsay Franklin's Weaver trilogy, just because it is mm-hmm. so fun. And it's something that readers of pretty much any age groups, I can safely recommend it because I'm not going to have parents go, well, you know, is it going to be too mature for my younger YA reader? And it's just, it's such a beautiful story. And I love how she weaves in the magic. And then Coral, I've had it on my shelf forever and I just finished reading it and it was amazing. It was, I, I loved it. So that's awesome. one that's now on the top of my, yeah. my way you recommend right now. <laughs> what is one piece of advice Editors wish writers knew. Hire an editor. (laughs) (laughs) We are worth the investment. It's true. Uh, When you you hire an editor, you're not just saying, here's my book, make this book better. You're actually investing in yourself as a writer because that editor is going to come alongside you as a coach and as a cheerleader. They'll be able to pick out kindly, if you have a good editor, kindly point Mm -hmm. out areas where you might be struggling as a writer that you might not even be aware of that you're struggling Mm -hmm. And help you figure out how to move past that that blind spot because we all have blind spots as writers. They're just going to help you bring that story from a yeah, it's good to wow, this is amazing. Yeah. So you're and then you can take what you learn with that particular project, and you're going to take that onto the next project. And so when you're when you hire an editor, you're really investing in yourself. That's good advice. When you are able to go out in the world, <laughs> what is your coffee order? Oh my goodness. Um, usually it sounds boring, but I'll do an Americano with heavy cream because if the coffee is good, 
the coffee is good by itself. Um, but I also, my favorite coffee shop in Southwest Washington during the spring has a, a rose infused uh, latte that is oh, one of my favorites. And I'm, I'm always <laughs> bummed that it's only a seasonal drink because yeah. I like it later on. The other one that I've gotten into lately is the, um, the lavender, the honey mm-hmm. lavender latte. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. just refreshing. So good. Okay. Since you mentioned earlier that you're Whovian, which doctor is your favorite doctor? <sighs> Good question. Oh. And a hard question. Yes. Uh, okay. So Tennant's my favorite doctor, but I really love Smith's storyline. Same. Same. Yeah. Oh. And also I really love the music for when Smith was the doctor. The, oh my just, gosh. Oh yes. my gosh. Uh, season five, the soundtrack I listen to all the time. It's kind of mm-hmm. one of my writing back prep me for writing, getting yes. excited. I am the doctor is just, you know, that's, that's one of my pump me up to get ready to yes. sound. Such great music. Okay. Last one. What is something that helps you be productive? Uh, listening to a little bit of music first, just to kind of get rid of all the other distractions. And then I turn everything off and then just jump right into the story or project that I'm working on. If I'm going to be productive, I have to just jump into it and just kind of rip off the band-aid. Oh, wow. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining yeah. us here. Um, where can readers find you online? And then eventually, where will they be able to purchase your new book? Uh, you can find me online on Instagram with j.e.lindsay. There's another J.E. Lindsay out there. So make sure you use those dots. Or you can find me a little bit more easily through the Writer's Wellspring, which also can link you back to my personal Instagram. And then online for for my website, you can find me at thewriterswellspring.com. When my book becomes available, uh, most likely you'll be able to find it on Amazon. I'm looking into some other places as well, like Apple or the iBook. So I'm looking for a couple other options, but most likely through Amazon because that's the main place to to find anything. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have all of those linked on um, the show notes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to talk with you. It's been great having the chance to talk with you guys too. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Blank Page. If you're enjoying the show, we have a quick favor to ask. If you haven't yet hit the subscribe button and left a rating and a review on iTunes, please take a moment to do so. We love reading your reviews and it helps keep the algorithms happy so new listeners can find the podcast as well. You can find us online at exploringtheblankpage.com and on Instagram at exploringtheblankpagepodcast. Until next time, get creative exploring the possibility of your blank page.